Thanks for tuning in to today's podcast. Please remember that all of the information in this podcast episode is limited to general information only. That means the information is not specific to you, your needs, goals, or objectives. So you should seek the advice of a licensed and trusted financial professional before acting on the information. And before you acquire or apply for a financial product, please read the PDS or product disclosure statement, which should be available on the issuer's website. Lastly, please keep in mind that past performance is not indicative of future performance. Bleep, bloop, bleep, Kate. Okay. We are talking robo-advice. The great debate amongst you and I, what is a robo-advisor? Is it worth getting one? Who are they? Are they taking over the world? Welcome to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Yeah, so we were having, um, we got a bit heated in our debate in the office last week about robo-advisors and Owen and I realized we had completely opposite opinions and for very different reasons, our opinions were opposite. So we thought it'd be an interesting episode to have a chat about today, um, just a bit about both sides of the coin and what they are, different ones available in Australia. We've broken down some fees, so we'll give you a few examples of what the costs would be, some of the downsides and uh, what are the other alternatives out there. And if you like this episode and you like us debating something like this, please let us know because we would love to do more of them because they are a bit of fun. And we know that there are many different ways to invest and no one of us is necessarily going to be right for the other person. We might change each other's minds, but getting to the bottom of this, I think as with a lot of things in investing, I think we might conclude with you can do both. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> like the good old property and shares debate. Yeah, just do both. It's the Tortilla ad. Okay, so bleep, 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 robo-investing, robo-advice. Is there actually a robot sitting behind the keyboard when I go to one of these things? Yeah, totally. They're just sitting there crunching the numbers. Okay. No, really. Uh, a robo-advice often used interchangeably of robo-investing. Essentially, it's a platform where humans are deciding the, at the moment, it's just exchange trader funds making up these portfolios. They'll say, here's five different portfolios. We'll have a conservative, a balanced, a high growth, et cetera. And they'll, humans, usually an investment committee or hopefully someone with some experience, will put together these portfolios, maybe five to seven ETFs that give you exposure to Australian companies, Australian property and infrastructure, a bit of overseas, in property infrastructure plus overseas companies. Um, maybe there'll be some exposure to bonds, some exposure to cash. And then some of the robo-advisors may give you exposure to emerging markets. And one of the robo-advisors gives you exposure to gold. Yeah, that's a quite controversial thing. Yeah. I should probably stray away from that debate today. Issue that if you want to listen to a debate <laughs> about gold, we did an well, not me. Owen did an episode a few months back on the Australian Investors Podcast. Yes. Um, so we won't talk about gold per se today. It was, a, it was more like just a general conversation. Yeah, anyway, okay. let's not yeah. go there. Okay, so. And, yeah, with these portfolios, they so humans design the portfolios and the aim is, of the game is the rest of the pro process is fairly automated. So if you set up an account with them, you may go through a quiz saying, asking, what do you feel about losing some money? And it will try to uh, ascertain your risk profile of, are you comfortable having your money invested for a longer period of time? Or are you, 
you a bit risk adverse and do they think you're more suited for a conservative? So you'll go through this uh, online quiz in some like of the- a risk s- profile? Yeah. And then the computer based on whatever's- Beep, boop, bleep. Yep. <laughs> whatever's been programmed in by humans will spit out and say, uh, we think based on your answers, you're suited to a high growth portfolio. And then you can go, hey, uh, that sounds like right, or they'll give you the option to change. And then you can set up the portfolio. They'll open up a brokerage account for you, and in most cases a cash management account too. And then they'll say, hey, they'll do all the ID checks, all of the normal things you have to do to open an account. And usually that, for most of it, it's pretty automated, which helps keep costs down. Uh, and then you'll just send them the money <laughs> to the bank account. And then the Part of the automated process there is that the system will say, hey, the money's been received, you've set up a high growth portfolio, we'll take the money and we'll buy those ETFs for you on your behalf. So you don't have to go into the brokerage account and hit buy this ETF, buy this ETF, buy this ETF. They just do it all for you. Most of them cover brokerage uh, and then you can just add money on a regular basis and they'll keep investing it for you based on that portfolio. So that's kind of the the robo side of it is the automated purchases of the ETFs for you uh, to match that portfolio you're in. And they'll often um, include some tax reporting to too, so that just sort of combines all of the ETF tax statements into one document so you can give to your tax agent. And then you, you usually can call up someone in their team, but they're not, as far as I know, in the major ones in Australia, they're not financial advisors. So they can only give you general advice on the product. They can't tell you, oh, we think you should change and do X, Y, and Z with your money. Yeah. Okay. So wonderful overview. So I could download the app or go to the website, yeah. answer a bunch of questions, and then it's like beep, boop, bleep. Here is Owen. He's a high-risk investor. We're going to put most of his money in um, shares versus bonds or cash or whatever the heck they're investing in. And they ta- then I go through the process. I give them my bank details, send the money to them, and they set up the account for me. I send $10,000 to them hypothetically, and then they take my money and they invest it into the ETFs for me. Yeah. Okay, cool. So this is different than if I was investing with Southwealth, Comsec, superhero, stake, all these other ones that where I do the same application process without the risk profile. So I don't answer questions about like, this is my goal. This is how I feel about risk. Blah blah blah. I just put the money in and then I do the buying and selling myself. Yeah. So if you're just using your own broker, like Comsec or Selfwealth or Stake, you're having to go, hey, I want to buy this ETF. I'm going to go in and place an order. Whereas with a robo-advisor, they're going to place these orders on your behalf. And so you, when you sign up through the account process, you give them authorization to make these purchases on your behalf in your name. So that is your opening argument. Um, I have that taken- wasn't an argument. That was just the summary of what they are and how they work. That's very combative um, of you. Of Jeez, course okay. they take emotional. That, I'll which take is- that down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess, well, to start off, I'll talk about maybe- Do you use- Let's yeah. just jump straight to it. Do you use RoboAdvisor? <laughs> yeah, I have for about three and a half years now been using one RoboAdvisor. Good experience, bad experience? I think personally a great experience. Mm-hmm. I've okay. It's done well for me. I guess some of the things that I was telling you last week when we talked about it, some of the reasons why I like it is it's very hands-off. It keeps my mitts off my investment. Yep. And because I use that core and satellite approach that we've talked about in the past, uh, I can use this as the core of my portfolio and I, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of like, 
not emotional, but when I see that my investment's gone up a lot, it's very hard to not touch the account. What would you do with the money if you did? That's just like an objection, by the way. Do something else with it. (laughs) (laughs) It's more of that. I know personally my experience investing directly in shares, it's very hard as I watch it go up not to touch it. What about when it goes down? How do you feel when it goes down? Um, I don't, that doesn't really bother me. Really? So most people are kind of the opposite, right? Most people yeah. are like money, 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 keep it in there. Watch the thing go to the moon. And then they're very, very scared when it goes down. And yeah. so you're the opposite. You get like, what's it like? Yeah. There you go. Like, you, yeah. I just watching it go up. I'm like, it's not even like, I think it's going to stop going up at some point. And it's just that I think it's, yeah, I just should sell it. So for me, over the last three and a half years using a robo-advisor, it's kept my hands off it. I've been putting money in on a quarterly basis, so I've been able to sort of regularly contribute to my investment. The robo-advising platform has covered the cost of brokerage, so... That's a big one, right? Yeah, yeah. The management fee of the robo-advisor included the costs of brokerage. So for me, putting money in on a quarterly basis, to have to buy these five or six ETFs myself in my Comsec or my brokerage account, that would have cost quite a bit to do on a regular basis to buy all of these. And I know we've talked about different strategies like buying one, one quarter, buying another, the next. Mm. Um, But for me, it's really worked and it's helped me avoid decision fatigue. I'm very much, it's part of like what I'm doing for work and the podcast. I'm always researching different financial products and seeing new things come onto the market. I'm getting the emails with new ETFs available. I'm investigating different fund managers on different investment strategies, reading different books. So I've always, new things are popping into my mind. I'm like, hey, I should try that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I did at the very beginning of my investment journey about five years ago. And it just ended up a mess. A mess. <laughs> yeah. I, it was a mess at tax time. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, if you just keep changing, you never actually get anywhere. You don't get ahead. It's That's the secret to compounding. Yeah. It's very powerful. Don't interrupt it. Yes. Yes. So for me, it really helped with that decision fatigue. Uh, Maybe it might be a little bit different back then because I've had a bit more experience, but it did get me started. So I guess in summary, my argument would be that it's automated and hands-off. It reduces decision fatigue because you're not having to make a new decision of what to buy each time. You just go, hey, I'm happy with this portfolio. I'll just put the money in. They'll make the purchases for me. And it made financial sense for me, including brokerage. Over to you. Over to me. (laughs) Well, okay. Very good introduction and opening debate, Kate Campbell. So we've got hands off. It's a you know, keep your mitts off it. I'm just picturing you with like mitts from like cooking. Yeah. Um, hands off it. <laughs> I thought that was um, like a mitts off approach. Yeah. Decision fatigue, um, I guess, analysis, paralysis, all these yeah. different things. I'd imagine someone going down to the supermarket aisle and there's 250 different versions of baked beans and you're like, they all look the same to me. Which one do I go with? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Good reasons. Now, I'm going to start off with, this is like a classic, I'm not a racist. No, so like, oh, and uh, 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 no, here we go. I'm going to start off with, I don't hate robo-advisors. I don't hate them. However, I want to just be real and say that if you are more hands-on like me and you are reasonably engaged with your investing and you have a good temperament, so there's three big hurdles. Mm. You're engaged, you, you know, you've got a good temperament and you have the knowledge, I don't think they're worth the time. I just don't think they're worth the time. Now, so we know from your opening uh, statement, 
they do it, it does a risk profile for you. Yeah. So you get to the bottom of like what a kind of financial, this is where that robo advice yeah. comes from because they do the risk profile. This is. Yeah. So if you have no idea what your risk profile is because you've never thought about it before, it does give you a starting point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So risk profile, that's one thing it does. And this is all under my chicken scratches down here. You can't see this podcast listeners, but I've actually been taking notes. And um, it's, it's under like the debating headline. back in high school. Easy. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. Under easy, I've got what, number one, risk profile. Number two, automated. Number three, they give you the app and you mm. have ongoing access. So you can see things. It's pretty cool. It's intuitive. It's, you know, you the UX is great. And number four, which I think is a big one, is tax. It makes mm. tax time easier. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mention that, but that's a, a that is definitely another benefit, especially because I have tried to simplify my tax affairs over time and not try too many platforms, but I've I've ended up trying a few more this in this last year. So having um, a simplified report that I can give to my accountant is helpful. Yeah, and that if you do your tax yourself, like I do, it's obviously free because you don't pay anyone. But if you have to use something like ShareSite or you have to pay. F- someone to do it or whatever. If you're a day trader, well, this is not the conversation for you. (laughs) But if you were, then the tax burden would be enormous. So I understand the tax angle. And what really gives me the irrits is how long it takes ETF providers to get your annual tax statement. They're just like... Now it's a lot yeah. to order. So they online. have to, the robo-advisors have to wait on those ETFs yeah. and tax statements. So usually it can be a few months after the end of financial year to get your consolidated. Which they, is annoying because you want your tax yeah. return. You want the tax monies on July 1st, yo. And that's, yeah, frustrating. Okay. So let me step through each of those four things as someone who doesn't use a robo-advice yeah. platform. Risk profile. There are many different free risk tools that you can get online. A very standard risk profile is 60-40, 60% shares, 40% bonds. Now, I'm not saying go and invest in that. I'm just saying that's like historically that's been a balanced fund. You can just go and copy what's inside one of these things like a super fund or, you know, follow your favorite investor, whatever you want to do. So that's the first one. In Australia, you have to have a particular finance license to do a risk profile. So oftentimes it's always the dot-com websites that give you a risk, a free risk profile, but you can find them. They're out there. Number two, it's automated. 100% robo-advice is great for this. It's automated, but you can automate other stuff as well. You can automate managed funds, index funds. Um, you can automate money going into your brokerage account, which is great. You could just say first of every month, 1000 bucks goes in, 500 bucks, whatever you want to do. The problem is you still need to invest it once it's in there in your brokerage account. But you can do it with managed funds. Like you do it with a managed fund as well. Yeah, yeah. I set up a while ago a regular contribution plan of a couple of hundred every month. So that just happens without me having to think about it. And those approaches of actually having the robo-advisor and having a regular contribution plan on a managed fund has actually been the most successful, even though arguably the fees are higher, they've been the most successful approaches for me because they have been hands-off and they have been consistent. And my approach to all the other areas of my finance has not been consistent. So well, from my four or five-year anecdotal evidence. (laughs) But you are getting better with this. You've actually started to follow... There's an in-house joke that Kate has a big, bold, ambitious plan to buy something. I won't lift the lid on what it is in a, quite a few years. And she's using some of our team's recommendations to get her there. And there's been a few good ones. So well done. Okay, number three was the app and having ongoing access. It's cool. I've seen the apps. I don't use them myself, but I've seen them. You know, you get to see your balance instantly. Some of them even have roundups. Um, you can do all these different things, which is great. It really is. Many of the, many of the stockbroking apps are good. But I've deleted all of them from my phone. It's too risky. 
It's too easy to move money. That's the problem. That's why some of the big robo-advisors in the US, I don't know if they do that here in Australia, they actually block you from ma- – you can set rules to block you from making trades on certain days. So like if the market's down 3% today and you're, you're freaking out, you can actually set a rule in advance that you're not allowed to sell on that day. Yeah, my, um, my robo-advisor, I have to actually contact them if I want to take money out of the account or if I want to close it down. There's no button anywhere on the platform yeah. that says close this, give me all my money right now. So there is there is that layer of friction which has been quite beneficial for me because I find it's good for them too. Yeah, it's it's good for them. It's beneficial for them, but it also is beneficial for me. Being that like with my brokerage account, since it's still on my phone, I, it's just a picture of my face away from going in and just hitting sell. Like there's not even a second level pin, which I know some of the other brokers mm. have. So maybe I do need to add some more friction there and just take it off my phone altogether. Point number four, tax. Tax. Tax is a nightmare for a lot of people who don't understand the difference between dividends and what are franking credits, short-term capital gains versus long-term capital gains. It can be a bit of an annoying thing. Um, If you are an investor like myself who doesn't do a lot of trading, even though I'm an active investor, don't let that fool you, I don't actually transact that often. I Mm. maybe make 10 trades a year. That's buy and sell, maybe a few more maybe say 15, let's say, but I don't, most of them are buys. Yeah. Um, I don't trade that often. So for me, tax is actually pretty easy, but I understand it does get complicated. So I've pretty much gone through here and I haven't had a debate point, but what I would say in summary of this thing here for the opening statement, Kate, is <laughs> how much does it cost you to make your life convenient? Yeah. So we can talk about fees. You're also going to have to include your ETF management fees, which if you buy your ETF yourself and actively manage it, you're going to pay that as well. It gets, so if you go and buy A200 or VAS or whatever. Yeah, they're going to take the management fee. So VAS management fee of 0.1% per annum. So they take that directly out of the ETF. So you don't get an invoice, you don't get a bill. The robo-advisor is not going to like send you a notification. It's just going to happen. Yeah, because the, the robo-advisors, like think about like a little robo-arm on top of the ETFs, yeah. picking the ETFs below, like Pinocchio is just kind of moving it below, but they don't actually control what the ETF charges. They only just select the best ones that they think are the best at the time. Yeah, so they pick an assortment. They might have something from Vanguard, something from BetaShares, something from Spider, whatever it is, these ETF companies are still going to take their management fee. So that's something that you're going to have to factor in. So if we look at, I've just sort of taken the three major options, I'd say, of robo-advisors. One's a little bit different, but anyway. So we've got Six Park, Stockspot, and InvestSmart. So the first one I'll go with Six Park. Um, so the fees inclusive of brokerage. So when you're getting started, that that was something that I considered. I some the, There's I mean, in the last three and a half years, there's more brokerage platforms now that offer a lot lower cost brokerage, but... Back in the day, it was ComSec or nothing. <laughs> day, yeah. um, I was around $20 per purchase regardless. So if you were putting 500 bucks in, that yeah. was pretty onerous. Yeah. And some of the brokers now have, like ComSec have introduced, it's cheaper. It's only $9.95 under $1,000. Yeah. So there's some advantages there and there's self-wealth with their flat fees and... Yeah. From $5,000, oh, and that's probably something to note as well with robo-advisors, they have a higher starting amount. So you can't just... So, so the fees, if you have less than, say, let's use round figures, 20 grand, Yeah. the fees are going to be a bit higher. Oh, but what I was meaning is you, if you only have $500 to invest, 
most of these platforms won't be for you. They have sort of $5,000 oh, minimum. Oh, they minimums. Yeah, right. so that's probably okay. a disadvantage. If you're just getting started with investing, um, you may not even have enough to meet the minimum initial investment. Oh, uh, yeah, right, right, right. And it could take you quite a bit of time to accrue that, so that's something to consider. But, okay, for fees for Six Park, we'll go from $5,000 to $20,000 it's nine ninety five. So per that's month. if your balance was five k to twenty k. So if you pop fifteen grand in, you're going to pay a flat fee of nine dollars ninety five a month, one hundred twenty bucks a year. So, so in this case, it's actually um, the fees are higher for people with lower balances. So they're trying to encourage you to head up. So from twenty thousand dollars balance up to two hundred k, it's zero point five percent per year. Okay. So if you had if you had twenty k and you're paying zero point five percent. It's a hundred bucks, so there's yep. a discount for investing more. So if you if you calculate <laughs> that, thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, put an extra dollar in, yeah, and you'll save money. Yeah, okay, so a hundred because it does cost these year. companies more for lower balances because they're still having to pay brokerage fee. They've they've still got to go they set may you be up able to do all that sort of these stuff. These companies can often negotiate um, wholesale brokerage costs down well past the ten or twenty dollars that we're seeing, but at some point. They can't go much lower, and there's there's set fees from that. The ASX charge fees, and all there's lots of people taking a bit of yeah. a cut. That there's a point at which, if you're using a, a holder identification number, so they're giving you your own holder identification number. There's only so low the fees can go. Whereas if you're seeing some of the custodial models, like what are some of the options? Like Superhero, Vanguard do that. Uh, yeah, on their personal investor platform, they can cut the fees down a lot lower if they're putting it on one group in using a custodial model because everyone's sharing the cost of the brokerage. Okay, so the next option is Stockspot. Yep, so Stockspot um, have taken a little bit of a different approach with their smaller balance customers. Um, so if you're investing $10,000 or less, it's only $5.50 per month, but still a flat fee. Okay, let's say if you got 20 grand to make apples to apples, six park was 100 bucks, I think, yep. Yeah, and so for, for Stockspot, stock from 10,000 to 50,000, it's 0.66% per year. So it is a higher fee on that balance. But So example, $20,000 portfolio is $132 per year. Okay, but yeah, interesting. Okay. But they are different. I mean, Stockspot actually have a phone app, Six Park don't. Stockspot use gold in their portfolio, whereas Six Park have a different approach. They both have risk profile quizzes. They both have a whole team building these portfolios. Um, Stockspot have a bit of some other functionality with larger balances, but um, it's definitely interesting. And you can compare if you're putting higher balances. I, If you're like investing over 200K, there's even lower fees. So it's worth having a look at if definitely. you are interested. And then both of these include brokerage. Okay. So that's something to, to keep in mind. Yep, totally. Now invest smart. Invest smart. So it sounds like a very good name. By the way, speaking of names, I don't know what Six Park actually means, that name. I don't know where that come from. Do you know yeah, where that comes from? Yeah, I read from? it was um, Pat, the founder. He um, grew up in the US and that was, I think, his home or his, this, where he lived or his grandparents or his parents lived. Mm-hmm. I saw an article a few years ago. Anyway, there was some, okay. there was some meaning there. Uh, okay, so number three, invest smart, which I can understand why they chose that name. Yeah, so um, their product's a little bit different. I, I don't know if you'd call it robo advice because they don't do the risk profile and they don't sort of allocate. Say we recommend you do this. Um, you can mix and match between their portfolios, but they do have a, a range of different risk profile portfolios, and they make they're made up with ETFs. So they're 
slightly similar, but it doesn't include brokerage. So that's something to keep in mind as well because brokerage... Uh, so you would be say if you, you've got an example here, a 20K portfolio, it's $110 plus brokerage, which might be say six ETFs at $5.50 brokerage. Yeah, so you might be from 18000 to 82000 at 0.55% per year, so um, in between the other two, but you're, so that a 20000 portfolio, 110 per year, and then you're paying $5.50 per uh, ETF and brokerage. So if you do, yeah, if you do that six ETFs, you do it four times a year, that's around $132. So you're going to have to, if you want to invest on a regular basis, you're going to have to include the cost of brokerage there. But again, this is where it comes back to knowing the, actually looking, going to the website and looking at, these are all things you should read. We're just doing a summary here for our mm. debate, but um, you can actually go online because they actually cap fees at a certain level too. So you can go and check that out. Yeah. Some of these are, some of these products can become better or worse as you have a higher or a lower balance and depends on their business model. Some of them are trying to capture the small customers in, or they might be mm. focusing on getting the big fish. Um, it's it's definitely interesting to compare based on what you want. And you can also even have a look at the, on their website, they publicly put out the ETFs they use in their portfolios, which I have recommended in the past. It's a, it's a good way to sort of find how a company structures a diversified portfolio if you are getting started doing it yourself is just having a look at how they build their own portfolio. It's a bit of a, a cheat strategy to look at what the, the experts have put together. And then a, another option is I'm, I don't think I'd call it a – it's a bit different, but something like Raise Invest that allows you to invest small amounts, they do a similar thing where you can, maybe not the risk profile quiz, but you can choose to invest in a high growth or a conservative portfolio and it's made up of a diversified mix of ETFs and it changes on your risk profile and you can put the money in and they automatically invest it for you. Yeah. It's in sort of a more of a fund-like structure. You're not having it in your own, your own it's not under your own holder identification number per se, but I mean, it, it's very popular for smaller balances. Yeah, yeah, and it does a similar thing. So, if you have used Raise Invest, you might be used to have seeing the round circle with different parts of the pie called different ETF names. Okay, so we've talked a lot about that. Very convenient. There are the fees from the examples ranging from say hundred bucks up to say hundred and thirty bucks. Now, downsides. We've got some downsides here. You've said. Uh, one of them is you can just do it yourself. You can DIY your ETF investing. You said you can go and check out the portfolios. Now, I've got to be careful here because I don't want to say that I'm against this just because we have something that kind of like is a solution to this. But listeners of this podcast are also our members at Rask ETFs and they know that we've created model portfolios or just very simple follow it in your own brokerage account style stuff. And I do think that that is a better way to learn when you're actually doing it yourself. It's cutting out the middleman, but it's, yeah, there are many different angles to this, but you can just do it yourself, which is another way to learn. You've actually got some great downsides here of robo-investing because it's pretty much my point, Kate. I'm going to say further down, you've also got less control. So by going with an ETF, your robo-advisor, you kind of at the mercy of whatever ETFs their investment committee chooses, which yeah. for the most part is pretty good. Yeah, but if you suddenly decide I want to... Ethical option. Yeah, if uh, well, some of them are introducing that now, so you might be able to change portfolios. There may be tax events caused though, but just saying more control, if you decide you don't like one particular one of the ETFs in the portfolio, but you're happy with the rest, you can't just... You can't just change one particular bit of like the portfolio. Like you could in a brokerage account, you could just sell one. Yeah, so um, there's less control and maybe you might want to invest on a more regular basis. Some of them have 
caps um, or you might have to pay if you exceed a certain amount of uh, regular contributions in a year. So it really, yeah, it comes down to like how much control do you want to have and also one of the other things is it can be more expensive. So based off the fees we talked about before, if you're looking at something like the, I know Owen's mentioned on the podcast before. VDHG, the Vanguard High Growth Diversified ETF. Oh, or yeah. even another option now, which the is beta shares DZZF. Yeah. yeah, Beta Shares Ethical Diversified High Growth ETF. A bit not of a sure. mouthful. And not sure if it's diversified because it's only shares, but hey. Yeah. I yeah. mean... Now we're just poking. But even just like something like VDHG, the management fee is 0.27%. So you're paying, if you've got $10,000 invested, you're paying $27 each year in management fees. And let's say you've had your flat fee brokerage, you're $9.50 and you're purchasing some more VDHG four times a year. Well, that's about $38 in brokerage. If we're comparing apples to apples for a good brokerage account, there's no ongoing account fees. So zero as opposed to the 0.5 or 0.66 or whatever it was from the robo-advisors. And you, but you still have to pay brokerage to get the ETFs into your account, which might be, say, $38 a year if you make four of those, so once every three months. Yep. Okay, so and that's for both of the ETFs. They're both the same price. Well, they're thereabouts, aren't they? Or no, they're, uh, sorry, the ETFs are a bit more expensive, sorry, if yeah, you then have the management fees on top. So this is kind of like... Um, a pre-mixed solution. Yeah. So this would be like you buy straight into the ETF and it's already got the diversified aspect for you. So if Mm -hmm. I go back to my four easy points of a (laughs) robo-advisor, if you just skip the risk profile part, you can just jump straight to this is the the ready-made portfolio for you. You just got to know which one you want. And if you know which one you want, then you'd save money by doing this. And you could just say, simple strategy, I'm going to put a thing in my calendar each quarter to invest another $1,000 in this diversified ETF. And I'm just going to stick with one simple strategy and do it on a quarterly basis. And then, I mean, if if you're just comparing them like that, it does become cheaper to use the one single single solution. But then is that what you want? I mean, I think you talked about a question similar along these lines a few weeks ago about thinking about tax considerations and changing risk profiles and you have a lot, I would say, maybe even less control if you're in a single ETF. Back when we had the first of our ETF subscriptions at RASC, we had three ETFs in there. Mm. This was back in the time, so this has changed now. Keep this in mind. That's a disclaimer. We had VTS, which is the Vanguard US Total Shares, we had the VAF ETF, which was the bond ETF, and we had the A200 ETF from BetaShares. So yeah. they've all they've changed, so just keep that in mind. But when we had that, the reason why we said to people to have those three was because you could invest in one this month, one next month, and one the month after, and you could just do that, right? Yeah. Because that would still give you control because then you would, if you wanted to get rid of one of the ETFs in a few months because it was no longer up to standard, you can just get rid of one and there's no kind of real big tax implication. But with the Vanguard, with these diversified funds, they're called diversified ETFs, just FYI, these ready-made ETFs, you can still incur tax when you get dividends or distributions or if they do some adjustments like rebalancing. But the thing that gets me, Kate, is this is the thing with finance. As your balance gets bigger, some of their robo-advisors or what we've termed as robo-advisors do get cheaper. But if you have a bigger balance... So as you, maybe you got 20 grand a day, but in three years that grows and you've put more in, you've got 40 grand, then what happens to the economics? And so that's when, and when I say economics, what happens to the fees? That's the finance (laughs) jargon. What happens to the fees then? So if you go with one of these today, 
you've got the 20K balance you're doing your modeling, you're like, eh, it's, I'm willing to pay the extra 70 bucks for that convenience around tax time and whatever. But then if that grows to a lot in the future, then you're still going to be paying, a, you're going to be paying that management fee, but a higher management fee, you're going to be paying more um, and you're still in it. Whereas with these, some of these ETF providers are actually going down in fees. They're going the opposite way and there's no ongoing fees from the brokerage account. So that's something that I think about a lot. I just point out one option there. Like if your balance does, like in five years' time, you've got over $100,000 and you're saying, hey, it's not worth it to pay the management fee of the robo-advisor. In most circumstances, because those securities are in your own name, you can request and do an in-specie transfer and you can put it, you can move all these ETFs that you've built up over five years into your own brokerage account and suddenly you're responsible for managing them and you're not paying the management fee. Mm. And that's something that you could do over time as you build your confidence, as you know what you want. Um, you can then, yeah, transfer them out and then manage them yourself. So I think this is like we're coming to the end of the show, but one of the things, this is recap the options here. You can DIY your portfolio. Yeah. You can get a robo-advisor, which I've got it under my list and the headline is easy. It's simple. It's easy. You can just go into the app or you can go online and you can create one of these accounts. Kind of like do it for me approach. You could also do the same thing through a financial advisor, but it is going to cost you more. They have full advice fees and they have to pay people and stuff like that. They're really good. Financial advisors are great. Yeah. If you want, if you have a larger balance, you got a complicated tax situation, all those types of wonderful things. That is, an, that is another alternative. But basically we have, you can DIY it, um, which is more along the lines of what I do. You can use a robo-advisor, which is what kind of Kate's camp. You can see a financial advisor at the other end. Now, there are pros and cons to each of them. As Kate laid <laughs> out, there are certain pros. There are certain cons to robo-advisors. There are pros and cons to being an individual stock investor, to being an ETF investor, whatever. There are certain pros and cons to investing via Super. They've all got pros and cons. One of the things I will say, if I can say one of the negatives of that you probably don't think about if you want to invest similar to the way that I do is that most people probably don't have the temperament for it. Even though it's ETFs and even though, you know, you do your research into shares and all that, a lot of people just simply don't. Now, we do a lot to educate people around that because mm. I still think it's the best way to create wealth. Just to be hands-on, absolutely, I believe that. But at the same time, if you're the type of person that couldn't give a rat's about investing, like you, you listen to this podcast because you kind of have to, you set yourself a goal, <laughs> <laughs> uh, then probably... You know, a robo-advisor or your super fund is probably a good option. Yeah, by the way, you can just put your money straight into super if you, if you really want to too. Yeah, but then you have even less sort of control on getting it back out except during you do. COVID. <laughs> you do, except when you do, yeah, yes. a bit of a shenanigans. Uh, so I, I think there's some, there's some really like strong points on either side and it really comes down to how, like how, how hands-on you want to be at the end of the day and thinking about your own behaviour and your psychology and your approach mm. to your investments and whether you think, whether you're someone who in the past has been able to set up a solution and commit to it and you know that you're not going to be able, tempted to touch it or get distracted by the next shiny object. And I'm probably definitely the person who gets distracted by the next shiny object. So for me, for the, the core of my portfolio, a robo-advisor has made sense over the last few years. But, you know, you can change your mind and things can change in the future. So if in the next five years my my balance keeps growing, fingers crossed, and it suddenly becomes more sensible for me to manage it myself, well, that's an option as well. Yeah. And I can can change that in the future if I want to. 
yeah, it just, it really depends. And I think it's, as it with everything in finance, it's an individual decision. But yeah, think about how you behave, think about the fees, make sure you do the research and understand the products. Look at the alternatives, always like look at the different sides to the picture. What are the arguments against Rebo uh, investing? What are your alternatives, such as building it yourself, just copying them? Yeah, getting inspired by them <laughs> or just buying a pre-mixed ETF is another option that's popped up in the last few years. Yes, it is. I'm just going to get some numbers up here, Kate, because I think we have two ways that we can help people. The first way is if you want to if you want to get out there and, and learn about ETFs, you should know that our most popular uh, course of all time, and I'm just trying to get the numbers up while I'm... <laughs> Um, talking to you, but our most popular course on our ETF, on our RASC education site, by far, by the longest way ever, is our ETF course. Yeah, which is is free. It's one of the OG courses on RASC education. Yep, it certainly is. And it's, yeah, and this is the thing, it's, it teaches you all the essentials. So you need to understand like what ETFs are, the fees, where to find certain things. I can't find the numbers off the top of my head, it's got to be well over 2,000, maybe three. I'd say it's well over 3,000, 4,000 students have enrolled in this course Yeah, because there's a, a lot of uh, reviews on the course. And so. it will give you the confidence to manage your own portfolio or if you choose to use another service, it'll give you the knowledge of the right questions to ask, which I think is really important because if you don't understand the fundamentals, even if you do use a another provider, you might not know the right things to ask, the right information to look for. So I think it's really important to understand the basics before you do anything. And so that's our ETF beginners course. You can find it on Rask Education. You can see all the reviews from people there. You'll get a heap of different, like one of the videos that we have in there is how to build a portfolio from scratch. So if you want to know the bare bones of how to DIY it, you can go there. Um, if you want to join our membership service, you can. It's called Rask ETF. So you can find um, the four model portfolios that I've created. But we'll also have links in the show notes to all of the um, different ETF providers. So you can, uh, not ETF providers, the robo-advisors. So you can go and find out more about them too. If you have a good or bad experience with any of these, we would love to know what you think. Just let us know in the Facebook community. Yeah, again, we don't, you know, other than the service that we own, we don't get any money or any type of perk or incentive from recommending or talking about or mentioning products. That's a fundamental difference between the Australian Finance Podcast and many others, which we won't name, (laughs) Um, even those that aren't podcasts. You're just getting the straight up what we think. And if you have an opinion that, you know, you agree or disagree, let us know in the Facebook community. We'd love to hear what you have to say. It's as simple as that. And I think we can all say uh, that I did win this debate. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Of course you did. Owen. You did all the heavy lifting. Just because you wrote down some dot <laughs> You definitely did very, very well with this, Kate. And um, if you like this episode where we kind of take two competing perspectives, we might even call them devil's advocate episode. I think we were very softly competing there. <laughs> you know, it was a very nice <laughs> debate, nothing like American politics. We'll, here, let, but. we'll, we'll let the people speak. So yes. um, you guys let us know who won. I think you're going to say Kate, but that's okay. Thanks as always, Kate. Even a very special thank you for this episode because it was so much fun. Um, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Australian Finance Podcast, where our mission is to improve the financial futures of all Australians. 
If you'd like to learn more, create a free account at rusk.com.au forward slash account to download free episode workbooks, bonus resources, and take our amazing free personal finance courses. You can also join our online community by following the link in the description. If you enjoyed the show, what we'd love is for you to leave us a snappy review on iTunes. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Rask Australia. Kate and I are also on both of those channels. Finally, if you have any feedback, suggestions for episodes or guests to come on the show, or you just have a question for us, shoot us an email at podcast at rask.com.au. Thank you.